Ladies and gentlemen, the doctor is in, and the haunt is on. Chapter 24 the low murmur of harmonizing voices drew Denny into consciousness. His head throbbed, a dull ache emanating from the spot on the back of his skull where he'd been struck, and he didn't want to open his eyes at first, fearing that any light might make the pain worse. But as he cracked his eyelids, he saw that elimination was not only minimal, but it was coming from only a single source. The dregs of an afternoon sun stretched across the scarred concrete floor, to where Denny lay crumpled against a plywood wall. He was in the basement, arms still tied behind his back, but now wrapped around a steel pole that held up the house above him. Some sort of cloth was wrapped tight around his neck and between his teeth. He sat upright and allowed his eyes to focus and take in the room. Denny kicked his legs, hoping their movement would trigger the sensors on the overhead fluorescent tubes, but to no avail. Someone had unplugged them. The soft chanting was still rolling along, like a lullaby, and after a moment, Denny realized it was coming from just beyond the metal basement door, and not from the house above. With some effort, he was able to get his legs under him and push himself up, sliding his spine and tied hands up the pole until he was in a standing position, like he was waiting for a firing squad to take aim. From his new elevated position, he could see more clearly through the basement's one lonely window. He could see that the rain had stopped, but the low sun was fading behind a gray sheet. Dusk. Soon, the solar lights would blink on to brighten the rest of the scene he could make out through the cloudy window panes. Denny could see the outer rim of his pool and a good portion of the water in the shallow end. Standing in the water, a slender hand clutching the aluminum railing of the steps, was his neighbor, Sharon, though she had changed her clothes since the last time Denny laid eyes on her. Her tacky green visor was replaced with a smattering of white flowers, tucked over each ear, and her dirty blonde hair was pulled back into a tight bun. A loose, flowing white dress draped off her shoulders and puddled around her waist on the surface of the water. Asshole, Denny muttered through the gag, and briefly considered how awkward it was to call a woman that name. Usually other colorful, more feminine insults might have been appropriate, but right then... That's how he felt seeing her visage from his captivity. Wrestling with his bindings, Denny tried to curl his fingers to loosen the knots, but his efforts proved only to cut off his circulation further. Whoever tied him up meant to keep him that way. The murmur of voices outside began to stop and start. It was apparent that a sort of call and response session had begun, with an innumerable chorus of voices still off screen, kept time with what Sharon was saying. Denny stopped fighting with his ropes and strained to listen. We stand today united in awe of the first wife, Sharon said. The only wife. The first, the only, the voices repeated. Whereas Eve was created from man, from a thrown away rib bone, our goddess was first shaped, molded from the earth, from the clay and soil beneath our very feet never destined to be beholden, to be subservient to men, or to the whims of man. 
She was the first free woman. Who is she? Lilith, the voices seethed. She is Lilith. Now, Denny could see the group encroaching, beginning to step to the edge of the pool, though he couldn't tell how many stood in his whole backyard. Could be ten, could be fifty for all he knew, and each of the women wore an outfit identical to Sharon's. White dress, white flowers. Her husband, Terry, appeared at the rim of the pool and handed her a black book, which she opened and began to read from. They shall call the nobles thereof to the kingdom, but none shall be there, and all her princes shall be nothing. The crowd responded, We have no need of princes. Terry flinched at this, though he was mouthing the words. And thorns shall come up in her palaces, nettles and brambles in the fortresses thereof, and it shall be a habitation of dragons and a court for owls. We are the owls of her court. The wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the wild beasts of the island, and the satyr shall cry to his fellow. The screech owl also shall rest there and find for herself a place of rest. We await her. There shall the great owl make her nest and lay and hatch and gather under her shadow. There shall the vultures be gathered, every one with her mate. We await the great owl. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read, No one of these shall fail, none shall want her mate, for my mouth it hath commanded, and his spirit it hath gathered them. We gather in her spirit, and he hath cast the lot for them, and his hand hath divided it unto them by line. They shall possess it forever, from generation to generation shall they dwell therein. We give unto her this soil to dwell forever. This same soil, Sharon said, closing the book, then extending her arms to point toward the patches of grass around the pool. This soil has been in my family for generations now. My blood is in the ground. We are here today to fulfill a prayer that was begun by the original Rose, the original Sharon, the Rose of Sharon, my namesake and ancestor. When Lilith came to her in times of desperation, the prophecy was revealed. In unison, the crowd said, A mother to bear a mother. Yes, a mother would come to us, to Lilith willingly. She has been waiting. Sharon shouted this, and the crowd roared back, We wait for her! Of course, I would be remiss if I were to not give credit to each and every one of you for helping to create this path. Pamela, Aaron, words can be spoken, spells cast, but the faith you put into each, we wouldn't be here today without you. As a subtle round of applause rippled outside, Denny thought, So, those weren't fake names after all. You're a couple of assholes, too. And of course, who got us into the door first? Realtor extraordinaire, Connie, Lilith will have a special place for you under her wings. More applause. But let us not get too boastful. We may have set our plans. Turn the heads of those in this house, but let us not forget our goddess is working through us. Use me, the crowd responded, all of me. She has and she will, Sharon said. 
Then she pointed in the direction of the back stairs. And as if like clockwork, here is our guest of honor. Denny could hear the low rumble of excited chatter. Then it petered out and there was a silence, save for the sound of footsteps creaking on the wooden steps. The white dress-clad women, those he could see, began to part and another figure appeared, this one wearing a dark red dress over their feminine figure. Above the neckline wasn't flowing hair and a flower crown, though. The image gave Denny a jolt, a sinking feeling in his gut. Pointed ears were framed by layers of brindle feathers, and as the figure took hold of the railing and stepped down into the water, Denny could see the facial features, wide golden eyes like large translucent marbles, and a vicious curved beak, slightly open as if about to attack its chosen prey. So shocking was this new image, surrounded by a sea of white dresses and flowers, that Denny didn't think this was simply a mask at first. This owl woman appeared like a legitimate creature from Greek mythology, and Denny pushed back against the pole, as if trying to put as much distance between him and the beast. His posture shifted in an instant, however, as Sharon laid hands on the woman's bare arms, then reached up to lift the mask, revealing Kate's smiling face. She looked as she had when they had gotten married, or when she received her Ph.D., walking across the stage with an expression of sheer joy, relief, and resolution. Instinctively, Denny rushed forward, feeling his wrists tremble at the bindings, and let loose a muffled scream through the gag. Kate! His outburst turned no heads except for one. Sharon stared right back at Denny, her own smile growing wider, though Denny was sure she wasn't able to see him in the darkened room. She just knew he was there, and relished it. Then she was addressing the crowd again. May I present to you the Great Owl. We await the Great Owl, came the response. Sharon then secured the feathered mask over Kate's face once more, and moved to wrap one hand around her back, and the other on to her chest. We offer this woman to be your vessel. Sharon called. I offer myself, Kate responded. Hearing her voice for the first time in days, Denny lunged forward again, shouting into the gag, Kate! This time, no one, not even Sharon, paid him any mind. In these waters we shall cleanse her, strip her from her past, free her from the chains that have bound her wings. Free me, Kate repeated. Denny was wriggling with his bindings again. This isn't happening, Denny thought. This is 2020. We're in the suburbs. Yet, there stood his wife of two years, waist-deep in the shallow end of their pool, one of the biggest selling points of the home they'd bought together, not only listening to these insane people and their rituals, but participating. She actually appeared resigned to allow their snake of a neighbor to push her head underwater. We call on you. You who dwells in this house, on this land, to enter into this woman. Enter me, Kate said, and be reborn as she is reborn. With that, Sharon pushed forward, tilting Kate's willing, pliable body backward. At the same time, a dusting of loose insulation fell around Denny, while a collective groan coursed through the joists and rafters wood creaking, bolts whining, as if the house itself was leaning forward for a better view of this unholy baptism. 
As her head lowered, the feathers of the owl mask began to break the surface of the water. The moaning of the house was solidifying into a low rumble, like a far-off earthquake. Denny could feel the rhythmic vibrations coming down the pole and infecting his bound arms. When Denny screamed for his wife this time, he did so with such force that it felt as if something had torn in his throat, and his cry did not go unnoticed. Terry looked toward the basement window, then at Sharon, then stalked out of view. The basement door burst open. Terry, followed by Alex, the same tech guy who'd run out of that very basement in fear just days before, rushed at Denny. And before he had a chance to protest, one of Terry's closed fists connected with Denny's right eye socket. This wasn't enough to knock him out, but it dazed him, clouded his vision, and made him docile enough that the two men could untie him from the pole, re-secure the rope, then drag him out into the falling night. In the little light from the sliver of sun still on the horizon, Denny could make out fifteen-odd people in his backyard and surrounding the pool. All the women had matching outfits, while the handful of men stood outside the circles in their street clothes. Worse, there was another face Denny recognized. Kyle. He stood, beneath the canopy of low branches, behind Pamela and Aaron. Wrapped around his neck and draped down the front of his hospital gown was the snake that had bit him. He was stroking the snake and smiling. Denny was forced to his knees again, and now had a closer view of what was happening in the pool. The crowd was silent, watching. While he'd been drug outside, Sharon had fully submerged Kate, but rather than bring her right back up, the woman was still holding Kate down. The only sound was that of Kate's thrashing limbs. Trying to stand or throw himself in the water, Denny was held firm by the men looming above him, and his weak, cracking scream, still muffled by the gag, was swallowed by the erratic splashing of Kate as she struggled for help and a last breath. The house was still rumbling, seeming to intensify along with Kate's frantic movements. He thought bricks might be coming loose. Shingles and sections of the rain gutter he had repaired would come crashing to the concrete and adding another layer to the cacophony of sound. Then, suddenly, everything in the yard and house, maybe in the whole of the universe, ceased. The house was still, as was Kate, her limp body face down in the water. And Denny couldn't bring himself to look at his wife's motionless form, instead fixating on the owl mask, now bobbing alone in the deep end. This episode of The Ghost Modernist was presented by Dr. Scarelove, with music provided by Atrium Carcheri. Links can be found in the show notes. Follow me on Instagram at The Ghost Modernist, and please rate and review on Apple or wherever you find your podcasts. That's it for this week. Remember, there are two types of people in the world, the haunters and the haunted. Which one are you?